Wow. Well, all man, and yes, awesome. Hopefully you didn't do some grand exit or something. That would have been awkward coming back. That's it. We're going to read a psalm, Psalm 19, 1 through 14. The heavens declare your glory, O God. The skies proclaim the work in your hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched tent for sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises to one end of heaven and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived from its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring, and forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will blamelessly, I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight, Lord my rock, and my redeemer. All right, let's do the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't mind, let's stand.
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespasses against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just as you are before. 
morning. Now's the time and service for communion, and we've got a new speaker today. Jonathan is going to help us with it, 
And then we're going to do communion like we did last week. If you were here, we'll have you guys come up and form two lines and get the bread and the juice. Jonathan? I'll be reading out of John 6, 53 through 58. Jesus said to them, Verily true, I tell to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I have lived because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna, died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Before taking the bread, we give thanks to you, our Father, for the life and knowledge that you made known to us. Jesus, your servant, Glory to you forever. As the broken bread was scattered over the hills and was brought together, became becoming one, so gather your church from the ends of the earth into the kingdom, for you have all the power and glory forever through Jesus Christ. We, before taking the Jews, we give thanks to you, our Father, for your holy vine of David, your servant, which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant, glory to you forever. After taking command...
Almighty Creator all things to show forth your name. You give both food and drink to man to enjoy an everlasting life through your servant. Above all, we thank you because we are mighty glory to you forever. Remember, Lord, your church to deliver her from the all evil and mature her in your love and gather her from the four winds separate into your kingdom, which is you have made for her because you have the power and glory forever. Let grace come and this world pass away. Hosanna to the son of David. If anyone is holy, holy, let him come. If anyone is not, let him repent. Maranatha, Lord, come. Amen. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, really? I could talk louder. Announcements. Oh, um, pill bottle collection, and I partake in this because I take a lot of pills. But, um, but you, um, I tell you what, this, I never did it for quite a while, and I realized this is a way that I can serve Christ is by you know, I throw these away in the garbage can. So if you have pills, take pills, you know, and if you don't take your number off of there and everything, but that's such a, a, a blessing to the Lord. And, and I really like take, taking care of that. And uh, the ink cartridge collection, do not throw those away. Bring them to the church because they can save money. And that's another way you can serve the Lord is by bringing your ink cartridges. Uh, the food pantry and clothes closet. I tell you what, I went downstairs one time and I forget who had built the, I mean, it looks like a boutique down there, <laughs> the, the clothes closet. And, and, you know, in this day and time, 
these are needed, the most frequently needed items, those are really needed. So just pick up maybe one thing if that's all you can afford. And refitness, free dance, fitness class, I'm not partaking of that yet, but I want to see the men. You know, I couldn't see the men last week, and Amy said there were men partaking, but I don't see any men. Where, where are you? you got they're all taking a picture? Oh, okay, yeah, right. That's a man for you, sorry. And uh, empty nesters, I've been to that. It's been a long time. I don't drive that much now, but um, I know Sharon, uh, the, the book that they're in now, Women of the Bible, and that's a very interesting book. I have the book. I'm just not going to the, uh, but that would be a good time for women to get together, and I really think that's very important for you all, you women to get together. And youth bowling, would I be considered youth? Well, anyway, it's Friday, April 28th from 7 to 9 at Eastgate Lanes. And um, I haven't bowled in years, but you know, I, I think it sounds like a fun thing. And then the Breakfast Fellowship, and that's the first Sunday of the month. I know my daughter Michelle and Ellis go to that, but breakfast is better when we eat together and contact Carol. Weekly budget is $27.90, and that helps us with our budgeting. I don't know about you, but knowing this helps me with my budgeting. So, um, you know, if you can and the Lord leads you, um, just remember that number. Ways to give in person, online, text. Oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how many ways you could. I've never done that online before, so. <laughs> okay, no excuse, let's put it that way. And now 10 minute meet and greet. <laughs>
Hello? Hello? Now is the time of the store service where you guys get to hear me talk a lot. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Take note of that, Sarah. Take note of that. No, it definitely was not Sarah. Definitely not Isaac either. So, hi. How's everyone doing today? I am filling in for Pastor Derek Trent today. Happy to see you guys. Derek and Amy and the family are off on a volleyball tournament in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Derek's not playing. It's his daughter. Um, that would be kind of interesting. But I, I am happy here to see all your smiling faces and bring the Word of God. Um, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of coming over here and discussing your word with people. Your effective word that's lasted years and years and years and never becomes ineffective or expire. I just pray you open our hearts to hear what you have to say and bless us as we are together learning from what you teach us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today I'm going to talk about the new covenant. There have been a few covenants throughout history between God and man. So what is a covenant? It's called a testament also, but it is an agreement or a contract. Your Bible is divided in two parts, an old covenant and a new covenant. We will start out in Jeremiah 31, 31. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. You may be seated. I know, you just got up. <laughs> Why would we need to know what the new covenant is? We should know what God has promised us and what God expects from us. And as I studied this, there were some things that surprised me. There were some things that confused me. I know that's pretty easy to do. There were things that convicted me. There were things that inspired me. But to understand the new covenant, we have to have some kind of understanding of what the old covenant is. So what was the old covenant? The old covenant had a list of laws found in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. There were too many for me to go through them all. But back then, there wasn't a separation between government and religion. The law covered disputes, offerings, marriage, sacrifice, priesthood, and many other things. 
Who was the old covenant for? This covenant was for the descendants of Jacob who were rescued out of slavery in Egypt. Also foreigners who would convert. This covenant was to separate God's holy people from the rest of the world. Who was the new covenant for? First the Jew, same as the first covenant, but also then for the Gentiles. Jesus is a Jew. The apostles were Jews. The fact that the Gentiles were receiving benefits from the new covenant surprised even some of the apostles. Even though there were Old Testament scriptures that pointed to this. Paul describes this. Uh, Paul describes this, the Gentile connection to God in their relationship with Israel. In Romans eleven seventeen through 21 is where this is found. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though being a wild olive shoot, and you, though wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I can be granted grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble, for if God so did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. As a brown thumb, I don't relate to gardening as well, so I will put it this way. I think it was in 2008, I tore my ACL playing basketball wearing some steel toe boots, which probably wasn't the best idea. The ACL keeps your bones and your knees from rubbing together. And when your ACL fails, you won't, you'll want to have it replaced because it's painful and it can damage your bones. When they did surgery, they grafted in a donor's ACL into my knee. Both knees were very important daily. If I needed to run, I was not thinking of which one of my ACLs was the original. The foreign ACL became a part of my body because it was grafted in. And according to the word of God, Gentiles that have been born again have been grafted in with, into God with Israel. We are like the donor's ACL. We were separate and now we have become connected with Israel. Paul warns us not to be overconfident and being connected with God, but remain in faith or we can have the same fate as the Jews who were cut off. So the question is, why a new covenant? Was the old covenant a bad promise? Deuteronomy 4.8 says this about the old covenant. What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees in laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today. In Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, also regarding the old covenant. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, 
Who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. In Luke 1, 5 through 6, we find out if a person can be blameless under the old law. In the kingdom, or in the time of the kingdom of, uh, at the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly, hold on real quick. Sorry, I'm dying of thirst. I tried to drink before I got up here. All right, let me try to say this again. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So people were able to keep the law in a manner that they were considered blameless before God under the old law. Then why was the law faulty? Do we think God messed up? Why do we have a new covenant? In Jeremiah 31, 31, and 32, we find the answer. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with the ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because, there's the answer, because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. There seems to be this idea that animal sacrifice wasn't good enough to atone for sins. But that's a very personal thought. The new covenant and the old covenant was made for a nation, not a person. To understand the problem with the old covenant, you have to understand the problem with the nation of Israel. God made a new covenant because as a whole, the two kingdoms wouldn't keep the covenant. In Jeremiah, it says, they broke my covenant. God is a husband to a nation, not just a person. Often people will say, Jesus would have died on the cross for one person. As you can see, that was never a part of the plan. Think about the power of the cross. Is a nuclear bomb meant for one person? No. Neither is a cross. Let's look at some history to help us understand the need for a new covenant. The history around the time of Jeremiah, Israel broke into two kingdoms. If you read in Kings and Chronicles, you will find both kingdoms having a pattern of forgetting their God, worshiping idols, and other evil practices. You can read about king after king allowing and participating in idol worship and other practices that broke the covenant. They didn't repent like David did. For instance, David committed adultery and murder. The way this was done was so heinous and awful. David repented under the old law and was forgiven. Almost all the other kings didn't repent and never followed God. When I read through Kings and Chronicles, I think how patient and merciful God was back then. 
When I read about those kings chapter after chapter of sinning, I even think, God, how did you not have these kingdoms carried away earlier? Eventually, both kingdoms were carried away due to God's wrath. I think the story of Josiah paints a picture of why there needed to be a new covenant. Now remember, almost all the kings didn't follow the old covenant. Almost all the kingdoms, all the kings allowed idol worship and mediums. Then comes Josiah, and he tears down all the places of idol worship. And he doesn't just tear down the shrines, he desecrated those places so the people wouldn't return to them. He threw bones and stuff in there. In 2 Kings 23, 25 through 27, we find how Josiah makes the nation of Judah repent. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul, with all his strength in accordance with all the laws of Moses. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn away from the heat of his fierce anger which burned against Judah because of all that Manasseh had done to arouse his anger. So the Lord said, I will remove Judah from my presence as I removed Israel. I will reject Jerusalem, the city I chose, in this temple, and about which I said my name shall be there. Think about how David's sin was forgiven. Josiah repented like no other king had ever done and no nation, and the nation of Judah wasn't forgiven. So we can see how the wrath was on God's chosen people. You can see how we needed something bigger than the original covenant to forgive these two nations. You think the pandemic was bad? What if God brought that wrath on us? So remember God's wrath on the people, and we will come back to that in a little while. But what I would like to transition to is a new covenant. First, are we in the new covenant now? That'd be kind of important to know. Um, Yes, Jesus brought this new covenant about 2,000 years ago. So, what about the old law? Matthew 5, 17 and 18 helps us explain this. Do you think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So is the old covenant done away with? Well, yes and no. Yes, we do not carry out a lot of the practices, but no, it didn't go away because it still has to be fulfilled through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have better promises. For instance, the old covenant, you needed blood atonement for sin. And in Hebrews 9, 13, and 14 is where this is fulfilled by Jesus. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death 
so that we may serve the living God. In the Old Covenant, one of the Levites held a position of high priest. In the New Covenant, Jesus became the high priest. In Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, Jesus fulfills this. Therefore, since you have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us firmly hold to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Yet, as we are, yet he did not sin. The old covenant, there were food laws. In 1 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, we see how Jesus fulfills these. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So now through prayer, our food is clean, fulfilling the old covenant law through Jesus. Through the old covenant, all the males had to be circumcised. Can we say amen to this? Some, somebody trying to be converted. Um, in Colossians 2, 11 and 12, we find how this is fulfilled. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ have been buried with him by baptism, in which you also were raised with him through the faith in the working of God, who raised him from dead. Baptism is a part of the grace of God. I'm not sure why people call baptism a work. It is a privilege and a gift from God. Imagine if I gave you a mega millions lottery ticket, and it was a jackpot winner. Then you said, I don't want to fill this out, the form that's associated with it. I don't want to drive to go get the money. Even the best gifts can be called work if you don't understand the value. Baptism is a better gift from God than a mega millions. So I'm not going to go through all the examples of how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament, but you can kind of see where I'm going with that. Um, also, there are prophecies about the new covenant that Jesus had to fulfill. I will go through five of them that I think are important to know. New covenant prophecy one. Jesus gives commands directly from God similar to the Moses giving the law. In Deuteronomy 18, 18, and 19 is where this can be found. And you might want to mark this. This is kind of an important verse understanding the New Testament. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, a prophet like Moses, from among the fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to the words that this prophet speaks in my name. So what are the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
When you talk to people, they often say the gospel is forgiveness and Jesus dying, which it is, but it's a part of the gospel. Not the whole thing. That's why whole books are the gospel and not chapters and verses. It was a well-known, or it was very well-known in the time of Jesus that the Messiah was going to tell everyone what they must do. And this was considered a good thing. And that's why all of what Jesus done and said is considered the gospel. When Jesus told the Pharisees they should believe because Moses wrote about him, Deuteronomy 18 is what Moses wrote about him. Even the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well knew the Messiah would tell them how to worship. Even that Samaritan woman knew the ideology, ideology of Deuteronomy 18. The instruction Jesus gave us before his death are life-giving. They are so vital if somebody wants to continue in believing Jesus. New Covenant Prophecy 2. Jesus is our shepherd. This is found in Ezekiel 34, 23, and 24. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So, who is David and who is a shepherd? Well, John 10, 14 through 16 is where we find the answer to that prophecy. Now, this is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. For I have sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You can kind of see Gentiles in Israel becoming one flock in here as well. Jesus being the shepherd is a part of the new covenant. This is the new promise. Similar to Deuteronomy 18, except there is an emphasis on how we will hear his voice and he will lead us to spiritual safety. How do we know where to go? Follow the shepherd. Read the words of Jesus. Meditate on them. Pray to understand them and pray for courage and strength to follow them. Prophecy 3. Do you remember God's wrath and the anger in the first covenant? Well, in Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, is how Jesus takes the wrath of God on himself. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was brought, that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. When Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God that was brought on Israel. All that idol worship, sacrificing children, and breaking the covenant, all that sin was forgiven. And paid then. And out of that benefit, now 
there are people out there that are going to be able to take advantage of this new covenant because that sin has already been paid for. All that punishment went on Jesus. The new covenant tells us there is another factor to cleanse our sins. New covenant prophecy number four, baptism. Before baptism, you do need to know about repentance otherwise and belief. Otherwise, if you get baptized without that, without the understanding, you're just getting wet. Repentance means to do a 180 or return to God. And here's what that looks like according to the Bible. In Matthew eleven twenty one, this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, Teresin. Woe to you, Beth- Bethsaida. For if miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago with sackcloth and ashes. And Ezekiel 36, 31, 32 is another example of repentance. Then you will remember your evil, and this is talking about the new covenant. This is all in that Ezekiel portion with the new covenant. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and your detestable practices. I want you to know that I am doing this, not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Now that we know what repentance kind of looks like, um, in Ezekiel 36, 25, you will find the prophecy of baptism. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Acts twenty two sixteen also explains how baptism cleanses you. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling upon his name. 1 Peter 3.21 also explains how baptism cleanses you. And this water symbolizes baptism, now saves you also. He's talking about Noah, that symbol of baptism. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saved you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know the Bible says that the word of God, or God never changes? In 1 Samuel 15, 22, we find that forgiveness of sin wasn't the most important thing to God. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. This is why God didn't just want to forgive our sins. He wanted you to obey even more than the forgiveness received on the cross. What did God give us to help us obey? New covenant prophecy number five. The Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27 is where we find this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Sound familiar with being born again? I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees 
and be careful to keep my laws. In Jeremiah 32 and 40, it also explains, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. And then also in Matthew 26, 41, regarding the Spirit. Watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The Spirit is weak, or Spirit is willing, and the flesh is weak. If we have the Spirit, our lives should look completely different. It will cause us to fear ungodly practices and give us strength to carefully follow Jesus. Our desires should totally change. We should do like Jesus said and pray so we don't fall in temptation. Carefully studying the Word and following Christ is not a spirit of religion, but the Spirit of God. We should continue to meditate on the new covenant because this teaches us the heart of God and what God expects in our lives. My hope is that we all commit to live this life that we are called to live using the gifts promised to us in this new covenant. Let's do this as a church body. If you are struggling, don't do it alone. We have ministers here to talk and pray with. So let me close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son. Sending him as a sacrifice for our sin. Sending him to teach us all his ways and shepherding us while he was on the earth and well after. Just pray that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit and help us move in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So the band is going to come up. They're going to do one last song to conclude the service. And while they're doing that, feel free to come up here and get prayer for any need, um, whether it's sickness. Also, the Bible tells us um, it's a good place to confess your sins if you come up to the elders. So as they sing us out, feel free to do that.
Yeah. 